0: So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, do have it open to Mark chapter 1. So a moment ago we were reading this uh, text together and uh, we were seeing Jesus walking alongside the sea. And there were fishermen there. (coughs) They're casting their nets into the sea. He comes right up to where they are and he says something to them. And their lives will never be the same again. What does he say? He says, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of Men, Jesus says, "Follow me, and I will send you out to invite others to do the same thing." And He uses fishing, the very thing that they're doing, to convey that message to them. When you think of fishing, I'm, I'm not quite sure what you you think about. Um, you might think about somebody sat out on a foggy or rainy day like this in a tent by a pond, and I couldn't think of anything I'd rather not do than sit, sit there all day waiting for a fish to catch to then. Tossed right back into the water. It beats me how that is enjoyable. Uh, but my, my mind, when I think of fishing, I, I, I don't go there. I, I go back to where I grew up. Um, <clears throat> so I've come from Odby this morning, but I, I think you can probably already tell I'm not originally from Odeby. Uh Originally from the US, from Alabama. And uh, so I, I think about Alabama growing up fishing there my my grandparents my grandmother uh in particular she she owned this lake it was called Mockingbird Lake well it was a pond really but we called it Mockingbird Lake it felt uh bigger that way and uh, so we would go to her lake and we would fish sometimes um I, I can't help but think of um a time when my father and my step grandfather went out on the boat and they were going to catch some bass, you know, and they weren't just going to catch any bass. They were going to catch the biggest bass, uh, in the lake. And so they went out. If you're going to catch a big bass, you need a big lure. So they had this big lure and it didn't just have one hook. It had quadruple hook, hooks on both sides of the lure and they were out. They were casting it ready to go. And, uh, so as they were casting out, my step grandfather took it, he took his rod and reel. He cast it as far as he could and it went too far though and it caught into a tree. And so you can imagine four hooks on either side of this lure uh, all attached to this tree. And the more he seemed to yank on it, the worse it got. The harder it was to actually pull it out of there. And so he just finally just pulled as hard as he could. You can just imagine it fully extended and it popped loose. But of course it shot like a rocket across the lake to where he was, right into his nose. And it didn't just bump into his nose. I won't give you too many details, but you can imagine how it got stuck into his nose and their fishing was finished for the evening. If I if I recall right, they spent the rest of the evening at least at the hospital where he had to go and have it kind of surgically uh, removed. And so they were fishing, but they got to a point where they were stuck, not going anywhere. And the only catch that they had was themselves. So Jesus here, he's talking to these fishermen. They know what it is to to have a catch, to 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 bring it in. And he says, I want you to follow me, but I'm going to teach you to to reach others, to help them to follow me as well. And that's really what I want to focus on this message, is the fact that we are called to follow Jesus, but as we do that, part of that calling is for us to help others to do the same thing, to invite others to follow Jesus with us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a bit stuck when it comes to sharing my faith. Um... I might even be busy at work in doing that kind of thing, but feeling like I'm not actually getting anywhere and I need some help when it comes to to fishing, when it comes to reaching others, when it comes to speaking of my faith to other people. Am I the only one where that's the case? I'm sure we all face that when we think about such a subject. Now, of course, fishing looks a little bit different now to what it did look like in Jesus' day, but sharing our faith in many ways, remains the same. So for the next few moments, I'd like to speak on on this subject. I'd like to s- just focus on this, following and fishing, but then I'll just add a, another little one at the end, going a little further, okay? So we'll look at following, fishing, and going a little further. So first of all, following. If we're going to be fishing as we ought to, we must be Following, first of all. So before Jesus ever says to fish for men, to fish for people, to reach others, He first says, follow Me. It's wonderful to see their response in verse 18. It says that immediately they left their nets behind and they followed Him. So in other words, they, they recognize something of who Jesus is. This one who is calling them to leave everything behind and to, to follow Him. They recognize who He is and that is seen in how they responds to him. So I suppose the question for all of us is, do we recognize Jesus for who he is? I read a story once about uh, one of the uh, Queen's guards, and uh, so he was telling various stories about the time when he was uh, one of her guards, and he was telling a a time about particularly in, in Balmoral up in up in Scotland. And, uh, so sometimes when she was up there, she, she, she would go and she would not just walk around the grounds, but also a bit further and beyond the grounds. Of course, she'd have a, a guard with her there. And other people, maybe you've done this, go up to visit and have a look around. And so one time she was out there and she was having a walk just beyond the grounds and some American tourists. Uh, turned up in Scotland and they uh, wanted to to see Balmoral for themselves and they saw this this little old lady walking uh, down the pavement and uh, so so they struck up a conversation with her. And uh, they said, oh, do do, do you live around here? And she said, oh yeah, just just live around the corner. And the guard recounts that they carried on a bit more of a conversation and then finally they they asked her the question they'd been wanting to know and they said, have you ever met the Queen before? And she very quick-witted uh, said, she said, no, I haven't. But then she pointed at this guard and says, but he has. <laughs> and and she, as far as he says it, she then left them not knowing any more that she was the queen than before. I mean, imagine them knowing who it was afterwards, who they'd actually met, who they'd actually spoken to. They didn't recognize her and that governed their response to her. They didn't respond to her in the same way had they recognized her and so these disciples, or they are going to become disciples, they obviously, they're in the presence of Jesus. And they know something of who He is because it's seen in, in, in what they actually do. So, so first of all, let's, let's look at a couple points related to this. I think we see here that we are to recognize Jesus as King. Recognize Him as King. When I've read about them hearing the simple call to follow and to fish, uh, before I, I, I thought... It's, it's amazing that they it's the first time they ever come around Jesus, they hear this and then they leave everything and follow him. And, uh, and it, it is a big deal that they leave everything and follow him, but I think I was wrong in that. This wasn't the first time they'd ever seen Jesus before or heard about him. Actually, if you, if you go on to the Gospel of John, John's Gospel, you can see in John chapter 1, verse 40, that Andrew and Simon were already followers of John the Baptist. And so from John the Baptist, they are already hearing something about this one who has come into this world. The one that John the Baptist is preparing the way for. They've heard about this one who is Lord. And so they're responding to this one they've heard about you not only see them hearing about him, but also Jesus actually comes to where John the Baptist is. And he's baptizing and Jesus himself is, is baptized by John. So they have seen something of him there. Perhaps they had already heard the announcements when Jesus says in verse 14 of Mark chapter 1 that the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So they're responding to what they've already seen by the time you get to this point when he says to them personally, follow me. And so like them, Mark's Gospel opens with giving us the opportunity to hear something of who Jesus is and and to therefore recognize Him for who He truly is, namely the King. So we see that, yes, Jesus is a man. He's from Nazareth. In Galilee it says that in Mark 1. He's, He's baptized, right? So... Um, You see him being tempted, like we're tempted. He's tempted by Satan, but he doesn't give in because he's more than just a man. We see that he's not only a man, we see that he is also fully God. He is God himself with us. Mark chapter 1 and verse 1, we see that we're to recognize him as the Son of God. We're to see that he was the one where prophecies had been made of his coming in verses 2 and 3. John the Baptist was preparing the way for whom? What does it it say? He's the voice in verse 3 of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. The Lord, the one who reigns over all. This is speaking of God Himself. Prepare the way for Him to come. He's mightier than John the Baptist or any other prophet who came before. He's the one who can baptize in the Holy Spirit. We see in verse 11 that God the Father says, this is His beloved Son in whom He is well pleased. So we see the Father there and the Spirit as the Son of God has come into the world. So, who is Jesus? He is God Himself, the ultimate King who reigns over all with us in this world. And so when Jesus announces in verse 14 that the kingdom of God is here, it has come near, it's here because the king himself is present. He's here with us. So do you recognize Jesus as the one who reigns over all, the king over all who came to be with us? If we recognize him in this way, then we, like these disciples, are to respond to his call as well. So following is recognizing, it's also responding So when he speaks of the nearness of his kingdom in verse 14 or in verse 15, he says that it is good news. Repent. Believe the good news. That's how you respond to seeing Jesus as king. So we repent. That means turning away from the the life you knew before. It's turning away from Rebelling against God and wanting to reign over our own lives, going our own way in sin, the Bible says. You could say we're all guilty of high treason, wanting to reign over ourselves instead of submitting to His reign. And Jesus calls us to turn away from that kind of life. That's what that word repent means. And He says believe or trust that His coming is good news. He wants us to see that His coming into this world is good so the king is here and we might think, well, if the king's here and I'm guilty of high treason, then what does that mean for me? What, what, if I turn to him, what consequence will I face? But Jesus says, no, turn away from that and believe that my coming into this world is good news. God came because he cares for us. We read on and we see that Jesus, the king of all, cares for us even enough to lay down his life for us. He dies in our place. He, we deserve death because of our rebellion against God, but He dies instead of us. And so the good news is that full pardon is offered to anyone who will turn from their sin and trust in Jesus, trust in this good news that He is the King who cares for us enough to die in our place. And so we see two men responding to this call on their lives personally. In verses 17 and 18, how are you responding to Jesus personally this morning? They follow him personally. They follow him immediately, it says straight away. They follow him and continually too. How are you responding to him personally? You see, following Jesus, um, Yes, we can look at a point point in time. That's when I began to follow Jesus. But He is calling them to a lifetime of discipleship rather than just a one-time decision. So they are to keep following Him. And when it comes to reaching others with the good news, this is what matters more than anything else, that we are following Jesus. The fact is, the more we come to see of who He is, the more we come to know who Jesus is the more we are willing to go to those He calls us to go to because He is worthy. And our fishing is, is the outworking of following Jesus. We go because the King has called us to go and He's worth it. So are we following Him? So if you're following Jesus, you say, yes, I've, I've, I've turned from my sin and I'm trusting in Him. Uh, my life isn't my own. My life is the Lord's. I'm following Him. So secondly, let's look at this. Fishing. Are you fishing? Because Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't say, I'm going to make some of you. He didn't say, "And you have the option of that might be one of the tracks you could go down. He says, follow me and that is what is going to happen. So Jesus makes it clear right from the start that he's going to send them out to reach others. They're going to be casting out the gospel message and calling others to come and to follow Jesus. This is in the fine print afterwards. It's not like something he says like a few months down the line. And, and by the way, this is part of what it means to follow me. Like right in the, the, the announcement of them responding to the gospel. Like follow me. Give your life to me. Right then and there he says to me, and I'm going to teach you to help others to do the same Thing. It's, it's not in the fine print. It's at the bold, in bold, right at the top. This is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to point others to Him as well. So by the way, if you're here this morning and, and you're, you're not a Christian, part of what it means to follow Jesus, if you give your life to Him, will be then inviting others to do the same. Because what you find in Jesus, you discover, is too good to keep to yourself. So he transforms us in such a way that says, well, others need to hear this good news too. If you're here this morning and you are a Christian, you are a believer, it does us good to be reminded of this. Jesus is calling you to take your part in reaching others with the good news of Jesus. It's what he calls his disciples to. It's the way of life he calls us to. After all, he came into this world to lay down his life for others. And so he sends out his disciples into the world, not on some kind of quest of self-discovery or something like that. He calls them to lay down their lives, to to recognize him as king. And when they lay down their lives, they are going to do so, so that others might come to know this salvation as well. If they're following his ways, this is going to happen, Jesus says. That's the kind of life he calls all of us too. Of course, Jesus uniquely accomplished the work of salvation when he laid down his life. We can't do that. But we can announce the good news of salvation. And if we do that, it will involve laying down our own lives. And Let's be honest, that isn't easy. But let's hear what his word says to us here. Let's see a few things about what he says about fishing. First of all, can we see that this is a promise that he makes? So Jesus frames what he says here as a promise. He says, I am going to be the one. I will make you fishers of men. I will make you to become people who fish for other people, who reach others. So it's a promise. He is going to take the responsibility on themselves to bring about their fishing for others. I mentioned fishing earlier. When I, when I fished growing up, it wasn't just that my, my, my father kind of dropped me off, you know, opened the door of the car and said, right, there's, there's the lake, go fishing, figure it out. He didn't do that. What did he do? I can remember it like as a small boy going out with my dad, seeing him, uh, you know, p- put the hook on the line, seeing him uh, putting the bait on, seeing him going out to the boat. We were there together watching him before I was even old enough to hold the rod and the reel myself. And then it became Him helping me to do what He had been doing and teaching me all along the way. He was helping me in that which He was putting before me to do and modeling it for me as well. So Jesus is taking it on Himself to show His disciples what it is to reach others. So he takes them with him as he announces the good news. He shows them what it's like to reach people right where they are. He's going to then send them out to do the same thing and and report back to him. So he is the one who equips and empowers to reach others. And that's significant for us. This, this lifts the burdens in, in some way. I mean, in one sense, it's absolutely our responsibility to reach others with the message of the gospel. But here we see in the text that Jesus takes the ultimate responsibility on Himself. This is something that we can rest in Him when it comes to it. So He is the one who transforms our lives that we might make Him known. This is helpful because I can, I don't know about you, but I can think of every reason in the world as to why I'm not the guy uh, that He should want to to share His faith with other people. You know, I might think, oh, I'm just not winsome enough. Alright, when, when I start to, you know, try to speak of God to other people, even just a little bit, things can get really awkward really quick, and I, I just know that's going to happen. I, it's, I, I, it's not me. Or, or I might think, it's not that. No, I'm, I'm not clever enough, that's what it is. I mean, th- if I say something, what if they ask me that question? I, I don't know how to answer it. What, what, what if they have an argument that's better than mine when it comes to, say, the existence of, of God, or, 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 or suffering in the world, or the evolution, or, or so you go down the line of things that people could bring up to us, and I think, oh, I don't have all the answers ready. And so maybe I'm not clever enough to reach others, or maybe we think, I'm, I'm just not sure I'm using the right technique, right? I, don't, I maybe when I have the right booklet, like the perfect booklet to hand somebody, then, you know, or, or maybe, well, the course, I'm not quite sure that this course is the right course to invite people onto. Or, or you could go down the line. Do I have the right technique? But the way Jesus speaks about reaching others cuts through all of that and reminds us that this is ultimately His work. I mean, after all, His coming into the world was God's plan. Salvation was accomplished by Him. It's all about His glory. And He is going to be the one to see to it that that message makes its way around the world and that people are brought to Him as the good news is announced. So at the end of the day, we don't save anyone. He does. And He makes it clear that He is the one who will enable us to share the message of salvation with others. So I just need to step out by faith and trust in Him that He would use me. To make him known to others, as he sees fit. He promises, "I will make you fishers of men." See as well the priority he places on following, or on fishing rather. Of all the things he could have said to his disciples at this point, of all the things that are about to happen, that they're about to witness, that they're about to hear, this is what he focuses in on. Follow me, and I will fill in the blank. What would we put? Well, this is what he has to say. And I will teach you to fish for. People, you might say, well, that was the ready object lesson at hand, so that's what he he went for. But I want to put forward to us that when you consider the bigger the, the, the bigger picture, it seems that there's there's a lot more to it than him just uh, using that because it's a ready illustration at hand for something he's about to do on a list of a lot of things he's about to do. So take for example when it comes to the priority of making Jesus known to others. Let me take the whole of scripture. I mean, you go back and you see that when God blesses his people, he does so that they might be a blessing. L- look at Abraham back in Genesis 12 when he calls them out and he-, and he blesses him. It's so that all the families of the earth would be blessed. You look at the people of Israel and you see that God blesses them so that all the earth will know this blessing through them. You see this all over Psalm 67, other places like that. We'll read that. A psalm at the end of the service together. And so then it comes to these disciples. And you see this repeated again and again. So you have this at the call. You have when he, then he has like hundreds of people following him and then he, and he selects out 12 to be his apostles. He names them and he, he calls them out that he might, or sorry, that they might be with him. It says in Mark chapter 3 and verse 14 that he might send them out to preach. So here's what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to be with me, to follow me, that I might send you out to make me known. And then he dies and he rises again. And what's the final message that he drives home to his disciples? Well, look across the page if you've got Mark 1 in front of you, back to Matthew 28. And you see, he says, Matthew 28, verse 18. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Follow me. Recognize me as the king. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So he starts with that, right in the middle you've got that, right at the end you have that, and you read on and say the book of Acts and you see that unfolding in the lives of his people. Not just through the apostles, but through the people that they then go on to disciple, who then go on to disciple others. So this is a priority put before us here. The scriptures go so far as to say this in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why has God done that? Why has God made us his own? Well, it then goes on to say that in 1 Peter 2 9. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Why has He made us His own so that we might proclaim His excellencies in the world? So when we come to know Jesus, He changes us. And the more we come to know Him, the more we are changed into His likeness. And the more we become like Him, the better we are able to make Him known in how we live and in what we say. So God transforms our lives, not just for our own sakes, but that his glory might be seen and known by others as we make the message known to them as well. So if you're a Christian here this morning, he is working in you with that in view. He's working in this church with that in view. So this isn't just something that the kind of the gifted evangelist, and we can all think of you know, somebody that we know that's more like that to do. Right? So, well. That makes me a bit uncomfortable to think about that because I'm I'm just I don't think I'm called to be an evangelist. Most of us aren't. But the thing is, in Scripture, it's it's good to see and be reminded of the fact that just because something isn't our particular gifting doesn't mean that we shouldn't be necessarily be doing that thing. So so for example, Romans chapter twelve, you see that some people have the gift of giving. Right? They, you have to stop them from giving. But does that mean that they're the only people who give? No. There are some people who have the gift of mercy, but are they the only people who are called to show mercy? No. Are there some people who have the gift of the evangelist, of evangelism? Absolutely. They just wake up, just ready to get out and share the gospel. And and they they see God working as they do that. But are they the only ones who are to be sharing their faith with others, making Jesus known? No. Um, If anything, Ephesians chapter 4, you look that God gives leaders to the church, including the evangelists, not to do the evangelism for all of us, but it says to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What are evangelists going to equip us to do? but to share our faith with others. But above all else, it is the Lord who was our teacher. So we need to commit ourselves to what He's calling us to, not only in following, but also in fishing, making Him known to others. But let me just add this on to the end. Could we go a little farther? A little farther. Following fishing and going a little farther. So do you see it in verse 19 where it says that? actually says it. It says, And going on a little farther, he saw James son of Zebedee and John his brother who were in their boat mending their nets so he not only reaches uh, Andrew and Simon he goes a little farther and he reaches James and John with the gospel as well so he he doesn't just kind of pack things up and says well we we've, we've reached two and that's the end of it no he's he's looking are are there more people yet to reach in this network of people who these fishermen along the seaside Yes, there are more people to reach. And he goes and he reaches them as well, going on a little farther along the lake in this network of people. But then it goes a little farther. When you get to verse 21, you see that he goes further than where he was just there at the seaside. It says he went into Capernaum. So he goes into this city and there he teaches and he performs uh, miracles in, in this synagogue. He not only does it in the synagogue, He goes into a home as well and does the same thing. And before we know it, it says the whole city has come out to Him. They're even queuing outside the door first thing in the morning to get in, to see Jesus, to hear more of Him after He went a little bit further into the city itself. Imagine being in that situation. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Like Whoever was like here to unlock the, the church door this morning to have like people just queuing just from all over to get inside. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's the situation Jesus is in. And so the disciples see all these people queuing outside the home. The whole city is gathering, coming to hear more about Him, coming to be healed, coming to know Jesus. But Jesus, it says, is nowhere to be found. Where is He at? Well, He goes out. It says in verse 35, and he's He's out praying. He's out with His Father. And the disciples finally find Him where He is out praying to His Father. And they said, everybody's here. People are there ready to see you. Everyone's looking for you, they say. But then what does He say to them? How does He respond to that in verse 38? He says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. He goes a little farther. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So he wants, he makes it clear to them, yes, there are genuine needs and opportunities in the work here. But there are so many places where he hasn't worked in at all yet. Now the work in Capernaum is going to continue on. It's going to be fine. They're going to go back there again sometime. But he says he wants them to go to other towns that he might preach there as well. He says, that is why I have come out. That's the purpose. Not just to get the message to just one group of people in an immediate location, but to get the message out everywhere. So he goes a little farther. So you see it this network of people this city of capernaum and then it ends up going out it says there in verse 39 into all galilee galilee was made up of about 175 towns and villages at the time and the gospel the good news of the kingdom is gone go into all these places is it being announced everywhere Jesus goes throughout these towns and villages he takes his disciples with him and then finally says to them i want you to go a bit further He says, I want you to go to all nations and make disciples. You see it expanding in that way a little further, a little further, a little further. So as you follow Jesus here and as you fish here, reaching others with the gospel, could I encourage you to look out a bit further and ask who hasn't had the opportunity to hear this message yet? Maybe ask yourself this question. If Jesus was physically present here... Where would he be taking us if we followed him? Are there perhaps people nearby that you've stopped short of? And maybe it's time to go a bit further and make sure they hear too. Or perhaps think, are there are there pockets of, of people in Loughborough where, where there aren't people actually actively living out the gospel in front of them and sharing the gospel with them? Is there an area to go a bit further to take the gospel there as well or to the surrounding towns in this kind of Galilee, locally. We can certainly say this, that there are places around the world, there are peoples around the world where there is no church reaching their own people with the gospel there. And unless somebody goes a bit further and goes there, they won't hear. But we might say, well, yes, but, but, what about here? What about Capernaum? There's still this and that and that and that and that to do here. Those are all important things But here's the thing, if you hold something closely like this pen, a bit too close, it's amazing what a little pen can do, it can kind of block your vision, can't it? I've I've wiped out like a third of the church right in front of me here with this small thing. If you hold something too close to you, it can block your vision of what is actually going on around you. So yes, we ought to say yes, what we have here is important, but let's not lose sight of what's happening a little further as well. And the Lord's desire to see the gospel go out to everyone, everywhere. Let's pray that we would know the Lord's heart for them and be willing to follow Him there. Let's do that now, shall we?